continue in uh, our series, uh, Nonfiction God, and what we're doing is uh, looking at uh, what the Scripture tells us, what God reveals us, um, what He really is like, as opposed to kind of those fictional assumptions we make about uh, who we'd like God to be like. So uh, today we're talking about uh, nonfiction, uh, uh, nonfiction God, and actually it's not God real or fiction. So guys, I hope you have the right one loaded. There it is. There we go. Nonfiction God. In control, willing to laugh or cry. That's the one we need. Thank you. <clears throat> and you can see, perhaps uh, Psalm 89 is uh, is the place that kind of captures the awareness of uh, what we're going to look at today, what, what God reveals to us about uh, his nature. In Psalm 89, you can see it says, You are the Lord God, all-powerful. No one is as loving and faithful uh, as you are. So we'll start with the first half of that one. It says, you are the Lord God, all-powerful. What did you just learn about God? It's pretty powerful stuff, huh? Yeah. I mean, he, he is uh, pretty powerful stuff. In the Bible, the, uh, the term that uh, most often is used, uh, and in other translations even here where it says all-powerful, would be the term uh, almighty. Lord God, almighty. Right? Heard that before. Actually, you hear it uh, 345 times uh, in the Bible. Uh, and, of course, each time the word Almighty is used, it's referring only uh, to God. And so the Bible is pretty clear about the nature of God being Almighty, being all-powerful. Now, what's the problem with that? Well, the, the problem with that is that it doesn't match up with the fictional assumption that a lot of people have about the nature of God. That fictional assumption about the uh, nature of God's power can probably be summarized with this guy right here. Do you know him? It is. Don't say Robin Williams. That was the voice, right? Yeah, it's Genie, right? Sure. I mean, isn't that the powerful God we'd like to have? I mean, the God that we can say, sure, he's all powerful, but his power is all about what my needs, what my wants, what my wishes are. I mean, we're okay with God being all powerful, right? But what we'd really like is to have a God who is all-powerful, who does whatever we want. We'll take God being all-powerful. We like God being all-powerful. But we only like God's power being exercised in such a way that we can manage his power. It's like the genie. You bet. We love rubbing that lamp, getting that all-powerful God to do whatever it is we want, we wish. And, of course, that is the fictional expectation of so many out there in the world as they look at God, is that, well, God's supposed to be powerful, but he's supposed to be powerful according to whatever, whatever I want, whatever I wish. The trouble is, of course, that's not God. That, that's not who God reveals himself to be in the Bible. That he's not just the God who is there who is all-powerful, but he's not there to be the God who is controlled somehow by our wishes, that his power isn't somehow controlled or limited by virtue of what we desire. If we look at the experience of the Apostle John in the book of Revelations, in Revelation 19, he has a vision, and as he's having this vision, he's at the throne of God in the kingdom of heaven, and angels are gathered around, and while they're around, this is part of his vision. He says, Then I heard what seemed to be a large crowd that sounded like a, a roaring flood and a loud thunder all mixed together. And they were saying, Praise the Lord. 
our Lord God, all-powerful, now rules as a king. How does he rule according to that? Well, he rules as a king. It may be a revelation to you, but kings don't rule according to whatever their people want. Kings are supposed to rule according to whatever is best for the kingdom, aren't they? Kings rule according to whatever their intention is, whatever their purpose is, whatever is best for the kingdom. Kings aren't put in positions to rule so that they can rule according to whatever every person in their kingdom wishes. Kings aren't supposed to operate according to polls. They're supposed to operate according to what is best for the kingdom in terms of the purposes of the king and what the king wants to accomplish. Kings don't operate around their people's wishes. The Bible says this is who God is. God is a God who is all-powerful and exercises His power by virtue of His own desires and not what we wish. If you go to Job 26, you can get Job's take on it. And remember who Job is. Job is a guy who went through a little bit of struggle. Would you agree? He's a guy that, that understood the nature of God, however, that God wasn't there just to do whatever he, he wished. Instead, Job describes God this way. By his power and wisdom, God conquered the force of the mighty ocean. The heavens became bright when he breathed. And the escaping sea monster died at the hands of God. And these things were merely a whisper of God's power at work. How little would we understand if this whisper ever turned into thunder? What does Job understand? He understands the awesome nature of God's power. And the only one that intention and controls God's power is God himself. God is not here to do whatever we wish. God is able to do whatever God wishes. So what are we left with? Well, what we're left with is just the reality that we have an all-powerful God and that all-powerful God can do whatever he wants to do. He can exercise his power in whatever way God chooses according to his own purposes. Good for us, however. God's purpose is to exercise his power for his own purposes and also for our benefit. How do we know that? Look at Psalm 68. Psalm 68 gives us some advice. It says, our God, show us your strength. Show us once again. What's the psalmist want to have happen? He wants God to show his power in his life, right? But to show it consistent with how God has always shown his power. So if we want to understand God's power and how God exercised his power, then we just have to look in the past and say, okay, how has God done this? We know God is all-powerful. We know God can exercise his power in however he chooses not according to our wishes. So then how does God exercise his power? The psalmist says, show your power again, just like you have in the past. Show it once again. So if we look and say, how does God exercise his power? Well, if we look into the past and we see how God has used his power in the past, we can make some observations. Number one, God uses his power to save. God uses his power to save. His almighty power to save. 
You know the experience. God's saving his people from Egypt. They've been slaves down there, and he brings them out of Egypt. And, and uh, of course, Pharaoh changes his mind and mounts up the chariots and comes after them. And the people get to the Sea of Galilee, and their feet are right up against the water. And everybody says, we're going to die. And what happens? God exercises his power. God exercises his power. If you look at Exodus 14, but Moses answered, Don't be afraid. Be brave, and you will see the Lord save you today. These Egyptians will never bother you again. The Lord will fight for you, and you won't have to do a thing. The Lord will fight for you, and you won't have to do a thing. What happens? God exercises his power. Because he is a God who has almighty power. Because God can do whatever God wants us to do. God chooses to exercise his power to save his people. They're up against the water, and of course what happens? But the waters roll back, and the people walk through on dry land. Why? Because God exercises his almighty power. And he always exercises that power for the purpose of saving his people. And we look at that experience and we remember that experience and we say, man, that was awesome. Wasn't that awesome? I mean, what a powerful God. What a cool, almighty, powerful God that he rolled back the sea and the people walked through on dry land and then, then the enemies of his people come after him and phew, the seas swallow up the chariots. What a wonderful, incredible, all-powerful event to show God's mighty power to save. The reality is, that's nothing compared to what he did for you in Jesus Christ. That experience, that all-powerful experience of rolling back the seas is nothing compared to the power that he showed in Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. If, if we could today, if we could today take all of our sins, everything that's been piled into our life, everything that we're ashamed of, all the guilt that we, we've carried with us up until this point into our life, if we could take all of that and pile it right here in the room, for everybody in the room, yours and mine and everybody else's in the room, if we could just pile that up right here. Pretty good pile? Now, now imagine if we would expand that, that pile and say, now we're going to take all of the sins of all of the people who have loved God forever and ever in the past. All of those folks from generation to generation to generation, all those generations you know and you've long forgotten, we're going to take all of their sins that they've, they've committed and we're going to add those to the pile. How big would the pile be? If we could take all of those sins of humanity and put them in one place, how big would the pile be? And yet the almighty power of God casts those aside in Jesus Christ. Praise God, He's all-powerful. Praise God, He's all-powerful. We need an all-powerful God who chooses to do what He wishes and what he wishes is to save. Paul knew it. Paul experienced it in his own life. He expresses it in Philippians 3. These are just incredible, powerful words. Paul says, But Christ has shown me that what I once thought was valuable 
is worthless. Nothing is as wonderful as knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I've given up everything else and counted all as garbage. All I want is Christ and to know that I belong to him. I could not make myself acceptable to God by obeying the law of Moses. God accepted me simply because of my faith in Christ. All I want is to know Christ and the power that raised him to life. I want to suffer and die as he did so that somehow I also may be raised to life. There is God's almighty power. There is God's almighty power. Because we have a God who is all-powerful, he can take Paul and turn him into that person who understands the only thing valuable in his life is Jesus Christ and the power of God loose in his life. This is the amazing power of God, that God exercises his power for us to save us so that we too can move from saying, well, this is important and that is important to understand. None of that is important compared to knowing Jesus Christ and experiencing his power. That he can unleash that power into each one of our lives. This is the power of God. To take our lives worthless and make them valuable for kingdom purposes. This is the power of God. To take us from living a life that's only around what our wants and what our wishes are. And instead transforming us in his almighty power to become people who say, I don't care what you want to do with me, God. Have your way. I just want to exercise your power in my life. That's the incredible power of God. That God is all-powerful, and thank goodness He is, because that's the God we need. The God who is willing to exercise that power to save each one of us. We need an all-powerful God. And and there are times in our lives when we need that all-powerful God to call us back. And that's the other place he exercises his power. He calls us back. We can go back and remember like the psalmist said and go to, go to instances over and over in Israel's life where they wandered away from God and God used his power to call them back to obedience, didn't he? If you look at uh, Judges uh, 3, once more the Israelites started disobeying the Lord so he let them be defeated by King uh, Eglon of Moab who had joined forces with the Ammonites and the Amalekites to attack Israel. And Eglon and his army army captured Jericho. Then he ruled Israel for 18 years and forced the Israelites to pay heavy taxes. The Israelites begged the Lord for help, and the Lord chose Ehud from Benjamin's tribe to rescue them. We need an all-powerful God. Why? We need an all-powerful God because there's times in our life when we just stray away. And we need God to exercise His almighty power to bring us back. And He can exercise that that power by using things in our life. Not things we'd wish for, not things we'd desire perhaps, but nevertheless, the power of God can use those things in our life that bring us to our knees as the means by which He can bring us back. He can even use His enemies to bring us back. How powerful is God? This is the God we need. We need an all-powerful God who's willing to exercise His power to save us, who's willing to exercise His power to call us back, and is willing to exercise His power in our weakness. 
This is the amazing nature of God, that He is able to exercise His power in those places in our life where we are the weakest. If you look at uh, Exodus 14 and you go to that experience that we talked about with Moses and the people are up against the Red Sea and they're all thinking they're going to die and Moses is saying, Lord, you know, what do I do now? What do I do? Tell me out. Tell me how to get out of this problem. Look at verse 15 and look how God responds to Moses. They're standing there. The sea is there. The, the Pharaoh and his armies are coming up the rear and look how God Response to Moses when Moses makes his appeal in verse 15. You see that? Isn't that fascinating? The Lord says to Moses, Why do you keep calling out to me for help? What do you suppose God is telling Moses in that? Moses, why are you bothering me? You already have the capacity of my power to solve this problem. Moses, why do you keep calling out to me? Just exercise my power and do my purposes. Moses, why do you keep bothering me? You already have the means of my power loose in your life to go ahead and accomplish what I want to accomplish through you. Moses, tell the Israelites to move forward, then hold your walking stick over the sea, and the water will open up and make a road where they can walk through on dry ground, and I'll make the Egyptians stubborn, and they'll go after you, and then I'll then I'll be praised because of what happens to the king and his chariots and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord God. But what did Moses already have? He already had the power to solve the situation. Isn't that a fascinating response by God? Our God is a God who exercises his power in our weakness. Moses is feeling weak. What do I do? We're up against the sea. Things are falling apart. I led them out. Did we lead them out here to die? And God looks at him and says, Moses, why do you bother me? You already have the solution right there in your hand. Moses needed to believe the words that he spoke to the people that God is one who fights on our side and you won't have to do anything. See, this is the amazing nature of the all-powerful God, that our all-powerful God is willing to work in each one of our lives and lend us that power. He's willing to lend us that power into our lives. Look at the apostles. When Jesus was arrested, what did they do? They ran and hid. After the resurrection, after the Holy Spirit is poured out, what's the book of Acts say? In a powerful way, the apostles told everyone that the Lord Jesus was now alive and God greatly blessed his followers and no one went in need of anything. What happened? All of a sudden, the power of God started moving in their lives. Those who lived in fear now are out in front and exercising incredible power. This is what God does. Our all-powerful God chooses to exercise power into each one of our lives. The Apostle Paul was a persecutor of church, and then he becomes one who is one of the most powerful in the church. If you look at what he says in Ephesians 3, in Ephesians 3, he prays, he prays that you and I, that each one of us will experience the same power that he experienced. I kneel in prayer to the Father. All beings in heaven and on earth receive their life from him. Does he know who God is? God is wonderful and glorious. He gets it. 
I pray that His Spirit will make you become strong followers and that Christ will live in your hearts because of your faith. Stand firm and to be deeply rooted in His love. I pray that you and all God's people will understand what is called wide or long or high or deep. I want you to know all about Christ's love, although it's too wonderful to be measured. Then your lives will be filled with all that God is. I pray that Christ Jesus and the church will forever bring praise to God. Now look at this one. His power at work where? In us can do far more than we, than we dare ask or imagine. We have an all-powerful God. And this all-powerful God lends to us His power. He lends to us those very words that Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God fights for you on your side. What we need to do is start thinking and start acting and start believing in an all-powerful God. We need to stop worrying about what we wish God would do and instead let God begin to fight the fights in our lives because you've got fights going on. You've got battles in your own life. You've got things that God needs to overcome in your life. And it's to understand this all-powerful God is willing to fight to save. He is willing to drive those things out of your life and bring you back. And He is ready to exercise His power over each one of those things in your life. Not because you wish it, but because that's who He is. And that's what He chooses. We need to begin acting like we have an all-powerful God. Well, let's go back to the beginning. We need to get the other side of it. <clears throat> it would be great for us to say, okay, that's good, that's an awesome awareness that we have an all-powerful God. The problem is, a lot of people in our world will hear that message and say, wow, we have an all-powerful God. Okay, but you know what? I think this all-powerful God of yours is distant and cold. It would be uh, something like this. If you go to Psalm 89, you need to flip a couple ahead there. Yeah, <clears throat> the willing to laugh and cry. Notice the second half of the verse. Your Lord God all-powerful, no one is as loving and faithful as you are. You see, it captures another part of the nature of God. This all-powerful God is also a God who's compassionate and loving. The trouble is a lot of people see God in a fictional way with this character here. Do you know who that is? Am I the only one that saw that movie? You know who that is, don't you? Don't say the governor. I mean, it is the governor, right? But, yeah, that's Mr. Freeze, right? That's Mr. Freeze. And what? What is Mr. Freeze? He is cold, cold-hearted, uncaring, sitting on his throne, do you know people who understand and think God's that way? I mean, isn't that the rap? Okay, it's great for you to have an all-powerful God, but your all-powerful God could care less about me. It's okay for you to say you've got this all-powerful God, but guess what? He must be sitting on his throne, be cold-hearted, and just watching my life unfold and just laughing at every moment. That they understand God to be cold and distant. But the psalmist reminds us, look at God. Look at what's happened in our lives. Look at, look at what God has been like. And, and you just heard the gospel read where Jesus went 
to the tomb of Lazarus. Did you hear how many times the gospel recorded the emotions of Jesus? It's, it's that shortest verse in the Bible. It's in John 11, if you look at it. And uh, what does it say Jesus did? Verse 35. Jesus, that's emotion, isn't it? That's not cold-heartedness. That's emotion. It says in the text over and over, over again that he was weeping and that he was, he was totally upset by this experience. You see, that's feeling. That's caring. That's compassion. We, we can see God exercising emotion otherwhere, uh, another place uh, in Christ. And we have to be careful with this one because it's not an excuse to have uh, uncontrolled anger. If you go into uh, John 2, it's when Jesus goes to the temple and he sees what's going on in the temple and he gets upset about it. He gets angry about it. He exercises good, appropriate, righteous anger in that experience. And again, I want to be careful. It's not saying anger's okay, unbridled anger, because there's some people who've got trouble with anger. And, and you may have that trouble, and God may need to take control of that in your life. But we can see in Jesus the exercise of this emotion where he willingly exercises anger. And he puts together a whip, and he drives the money changers out of the temple. Why? Because he just is experiencing this emotion and this anger. Or we can go to Jesus in Gethsemane before he's arrested and he takes the disciples and says, i got to go pray. And uh, we get him in Gethsemane in Matthew 26 and it says that he was deeply saddened, right? He was very sad and troubled. That's all emotion, isn't it? See, the Bible shows us that God is not only an all-powerful God, but this all-powerful God exercises that power because he has compassion and loving kindness. He exercises that power, and that power is tempered by his own person of being a compassionate and loving God. Psalm 103 says, The Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and what? Abounding in love. This is the nature of God. That God is all-powerful, and yet he is compassionate. Here's the last piece. This is the one I like most. This amazing, all-powerful God in Zephaniah 3 loves to delight in each one of us. Zephaniah 3, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. We establish that. But look what else. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. This incredible, all-powerful God who wants to exercise that power in our lives to save, to bring us back, and to exercise that power to overcome those things that he needs to fight in our lives, is a God who is waiting to sing and dance in heaven over each one of our lives as we receive and let him exercise that power. Is this an incredible God? He is all-powerful, and yet his power is tempered by his incredible compassion and love for each one of us. Let's pray. Father, thanks for being who you are. Thanks for being this incredible God who's willing to not, not operate just on what we wish, but is willing to be the God who moves all thing, things according to your purpose. And you know what's best in each of our lives. And you're willing to be the God of strength and power who fights for us. We pray that you would just come into each 
one of our days and each of our moments and exercise your will and your power. And when we stray, bring us to our knees. Call us back. Help us to know the incredible saving power of Jesus Christ. And in your love and your compassion, continue to walk with us each day that you might delight in our lives. We ask it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.